You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network. We're talking movies here again, and we're happy to be bringing you a recent movie, something that's just recently released in theaters, and uh, it's a movie that broke tons of records last week, um, primarily records for the franchise it's in. Uh, but still, I know we're about a week late to the party talking about this, but we are here to talk about Logan, the third movie in the Wolverine trilogy that, as we'll cover in a little bit, is not actually a trilogy at all. And the ninth time that Hugh Jackman has played the character of Logan slash Wolverine, which, as we'll cover, is really more like the eighth time since in first class he had about, I don't know, ten seconds of screen time one word uh two words i don't know what it was but unfortunately ben isn't here to join me on this uh nick's not here to join me on this noah's not here to join me on this we do have a special guest this week joining us as part of our expert logan panel and we've talked about her many times on the air um she has never appeared on the air before other than maybe one or two words in the background uh on double oz seven yelling at us but uh Welcoming to the show today, my other half, Jamie, my wife, thank you for joining us here to talk about Logan and Hugh Jackman, who I know you're excited to talk about. Hey guys, yeah, I love love Hugh Jackman, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I'm sure you are. (laughs) It's funny because I've been telling so many people in the last week about being able to see this and a lot of people will say, oh, well, uh, I don't know if I can convince my wife to see that movie and uh, oh, that's more of a guy's thing. And I'm like, you know what? It's got Hugh Jackman in it. I think Jamie's going to see this movie. Uh, you're a big Hugh Jackman fan. I'm a big Hugh Jackman fan. Uh, Ben's a big Hugh Jackman fan. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, he's not here. And we will quickly say the reason that we're here a week late doing this episode, we were meant to see it last week when it opened and review it right after that. But I think Friday night... We were planning on seeing this the next day, and Friday night we were recording another episode, which will remain nameless. It'll have to be for people to guess. And in the middle of the episode, uh, I abruptly had to stop recording because I started feeling very sick. You were violently sick with the flu last weekend, which is why we couldn't go. I was feeling fine. Out of nowhere, I started feeling very dizzy, very faint. And I abruptly ended the recording of one of our other episodes, which you'd have to really work hard at listening to see if you could pinpoint what it was. I abruptly ended the recording. I got up out of my chair. And the next thing I remember was waking up by our front door. I basically had made a rush to the washroom and I fainted. And extra points if you can pinpoint what episode that was in. But because of that, we were delayed on seeing Logan for a week. We did get to see it this past week. And initial reactions. Jamie, do you want to start us out on what you thought of Logan, the third movie, before we get into some of the history here? We'll also say this is going to be spoiler-free, so if you haven't seen it, don't worry. We're not going to give away a lot. Well, I will give away the fact that even with him aging, he still looks very good. Of course, I'm a fan, so I'm going to say that. Are we talking about Patrick Stewart or Hugh Jackman here? Hugh Jackman. Patrick Stewart looked really old, but I think that they... (laughs) I think that they they purposely made him look uh, really old, though, because Sada saw him at uh, Comic-Con just a couple of uh, years ago where he was scowling at you as he walked yeah. by, <laughs> and uh, he, he looked a lot better there. But um, He's also supposed to be really run down. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but like Hugh Jackman does not look like that every day of the week. They aged him, too. Yeah. No, I know. But uh, I really like the movie. Um, it kept my attention for the whole thing. Um, 
no spoilers or anything, but I, I feel like even though it was a really amazing movie, I feel like there was just something missing for me watching it. Yeah, uh, we'll have an argument on that. We started to have this argument in the car on the way home, and I basically said, no, 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 save it for the episode, save it for the episode, because, you know, we weren't sure if uh, we'd be able to talk about much about this, uh, just two people who love Logan and Wolverine. But as I said, this will be spoiler-free. Again, another disclaimer, should have said that at the beginning. Um, let me quickly tell my Patrick Stewart story, because we're going to go into a bit of a history here on X-Men and the Wolverine movies before we get into Logan. Uh, Comic-Con a couple of years ago, this was, I'm trying to remember what year it was, 2011 maybe? No, 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 it would have been after that. It would have been 2012 or 2013. Patrick Stewart's the guest of honor here at the Manitoba Comic-Con, which we usually get some pretty big guests, and we've met some great people. They always have Star Trek people there. And they've been talking about getting Patrick Stewart for years. They finally got him. And first thing that was funny was that he had a no-handshaking policy at his table. We didn't get to meet him because it costs a lot of money to meet him. Our friend that we went with, he did get his picture with him and everything. And apparently he it wasn't that he was a germaphobe. He just was sick that day and didn't want to spread anything. So nice guy. But the photo ops were taking place one side. We're kind of waiting on our friend who was in there getting his picture taken and meeting Patrick Stewart. You're standing against the wall. I'm on the opposite side. There's a flow of traffic going through us. And Patrick Stewart walks past. And I'm just looking. I'm like, wow, that's Patrick Stewart. And he turns and he looks at me and he looks away. And then as he's looking away, his eyes get kind of little bit more slanted and he looks at me again and I swear it's like it looks like a dirty look he was probably just like what's this guy looking at <laughs> I don't know if I look dangerous or something but I was just like starstruck even though you see people like that there all the time and I just got so excited as soon as he walked away I turned to Patrick Stewart gave me a dirty look it was like the highlight of my life Captain Jean-Luc Picard Professor X thought that I was creepy um, <laughs> I'm just gonna hold to that story that's what it was but that's our brush of fame with Patrick Stewart and he's back in this movie too uh, let's give a bit of a context on the Wolverine movies and the Wolverine series. I know everybody complains about the X-Men timeline, that it's messed up and all that. It's very simple if you just think of Days of Future Past and what that could have or may not have changed after that. The thing that struck me when we were watching this is that we've had two Wolverine movies prior to this. So the first one, X-Men Origins Wolverine was, I mean, it basically started with him as a child discovering his powers, you know, more than a hundred years earlier than that. There was a montage of him growing up, so we got to see some stuff of him involved in all these wars where it really does make sense. That line in X-Men 1 where Jean Grey saying, you know, when they're discovering Wolverine, it's like, he may very well be older than you, Professor, and he really is, as we saw in that. But the movie was a mess. Uh, it had too many mutant characters in there. And for whatever reason, I don't think that Hugh Jackman worked as a leading man as Wolverine. I mean, he was the best thing about the X-Men movies, and spe- specifically in X-Men 2. That was like 100% his movie, and he carried it, and and he made that the best X movie, and maybe one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. It just didn't work as his own story somehow. So flash forward a couple years later, and we have The Wolverine, and they they basically distanced themselves even from, this is pre-Days of Future Past, so it's not like Origins is wiped from the timeline or anything. But The Wolverine was an improvement. They did the Japan storyline that everybody loved. They went to the comics. Uh, It was more of a darker movie, more depressing, definitely had a lot better use of the Wolverine powers, and it was all around a decent movie. The funny thing is I can remember seeing that in opening weekend with you, and I don't think we've ever watched it since, and I don't know what year that was, that was at least three years ago now. Um, Mm -hmm. It was the year before Days of Future Past came out, so we're talking 2000 and, uh, wow, 2013 I think that was, so it's been almost four years since that's come out, and we've never watched it again, and I've rewatched X-Men Origins Wolverine. 
So it's not that I'm saying that there's anything wrong with The Wolverine, but I just don't think that it was like a particularly memorable movie. It was good for what it was. Uh, do you have memories of X-Men Origins or The Wolverine? You're kind of notorious for forgetting things that we see two days later, which is unfortunate since we watched this two days ago. Well, for, for people that don't know me, which obviously most people don't that are listening to this, I do have a such a bad memory that uh, your sister calls me Dory and it's very accurate. Yeah. And I like watching movies all the time because even if I just seen it and I watch it a couple of months later or even more recent, I am watching it for the first time again. <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't admit that. I don't know. But... Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father? Like about three times a year for us. Okay, but I have to clarify. So the Origins one, is that the one where there is the samurai girl? No, that's the Wolverine. X-Men Origins Wolverine was the one where Ryan Reynolds debuted as Deadpool for about the first ten minutes of the movie. Oh, that was bad. It had Liev Schreiber as Sabretooth, who was really good in that, and there was some good stuff. But yeah, the, yeah. the movie, not great. Okay, he was terrible as, as Deadpool in that movie. I really like the the new movie that he has uh, where he actually is Deadpool. That, that's hilarious. I love it. That but... movie's called Deadpool, since it seems I, to be gone from your memory. I know, That new movie where he plays Deadpool again, what was it called? I know, but I'm saying that I, I love him in that. I, I don't like his character in the other movie but um yeah that movie that movie was okay uh it, it wasn't memorable like you were saying I, I think that uh, the one with the samurai was pretty cool yeah i liked her yeah the, yeah yeah well again that's the other funny thing is that we came out of that movie um you know obviously going into it still willing to give wolverine a chance it really wasn't a sequel that's why i said this isn't a trilogy that we have here with uh X-Men Origins, The Wolverine, and Logan. Mm -hmm. Because these movies, even if the timeline wasn't, you know, completely messed up, which we'll get into in a second, these movies have no connections. They're just all standalone stories from different time periods of Wolverine's life. And the interesting thing that I found in The Wolverine is that even though I loved Hugh Jackman's character, I didn't think that he worked as a leading man in the first one. It was probably just the way the movie was written. Um... I liked him in The Wolverine, despite the fact in that one, they made it too dark and too depressing, which contradicted the ending of The Last Stand, because it was kind of a follow-up. And I know a lot of people are just going to trash in The Last Stand and say, pretend it didn't happen. But, like, the end of a trilogy should have a happy ending. And he's accepted everything, and he's working at the school. And then we flash forward a couple years after that, and he's in the wilderness trying to kill himself because he's depressed over Jean Grey's death. Mm -hmm. So there were some things that didn't work in that movie. The thing that really did work, and you said I liked her... Uh, is the fact that there was a character in that named uh, Yukio, uh, I believe who, was who it was, who totally stole the movie mm -hmm. to yeah, the point where we're like, that, that one girl in it, that the one Japanese girl was so much better than even Wolverine. And she later went on to play one of my favorite comic characters, Katana, on the TV show Arrow. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I really wish that she would do more, but she's what was memorable about that movie. Uh, big improvement, though. We have to give a bit of context before we go into Logan because the director of that one, James Mangold, is the one who directed Logan. Now, it should be said, I think one of the reasons why The Wolverine doesn't work as well is because James Mangold was brought on as a replacement director. It was supposed to be Darren Aronofsky, who, of course, made like Requiem for a Dream, uh, Black Swan, The Wrestler, a real sophisticated art house director who'd worked with Hugh Jackman before, and he developed The Wolverine. And he dropped out, and ultimately they brought in uh, the director of 310 to Yuma, which is hands down one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. Like, it totally blew me away with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. And they brought him in to do the old Wolverine. So I think maybe in a way that didn't suit him. Logan, as we get into now, 
this completely suits James Mangold's style. He's making kind of a modern-day Western. It's not about cowboys or whatever, but you can relate everything to Westerns, and they relate it in this movie. Uh, of course, as I said, let's get into now about how this is not a trilogy anymore, because the, here's the spoilers for other movies, if you haven't seen any of the X-Men movies, but Days of Future Past involves time travel, and they basically change the events of what happened post-1970 in this X-Men universe, which means X-Men Origin Wolverine did not happen at all, from what we can tell. And because, another spoiler here, if you don't want to hear about other X-Men movies, the end of Days of Future Past shows Jean Grey's alive, we know that the events of The Wolverine never would have happened, because he never would have been trying to kill himself in the middle of the woods. So, in a way, in this new universe, this is the only standalone Wolverine story we have that fits in this timeline anymore. So let's just treat this as what it is. It's a standalone movie. It's not part of a series. And it takes place years later. And there's some problems with the fact they identify it as 2029. But Professor X, you know, says he saw the movie Shane, which was a 1950s movie, almost 100 years ago. I don't know if the timelines were messed up or if that's a plot hole. But it does take place in the future. And the first thing that I found interesting is if you remember Days of Future Past, that's, I believe, the year 2020 or 2024. And the Sentinels have taken over and is presenting this this awful vision of what could happen not only to mutants, but humans, where everybody's been wiped out by these Sentinels. And they change that and they fix the past. And X-Men Apocalypse has this nice happy ending where everybody's living in peace. And we see a future now in Logan. Here's a little bit of a problem. Where mutants basically don't exist anymore for different reasons. You know, that, that isn't completely clear in the movie. They just, they're not being born. Kind of like the movie Children of Men with Clive Owen. Mutants aren't being born anymore. So we're now in this future that's supposed to be fixed. But we have fewer mutants than we had in Days of Future Past. And it seems like a more depressing world for everybody than we had in Days of Future Past. A uh, little bit of a nitpicking thing, but uh, the world that we're setting up in here is that mutants are gone for the most part. There's only a few left, and Wolverine just lives as Logan now, a limo driver. Uh, the opening scene has him basically massacring a gang. So we'll go into a little bit of the comic books, but the world that this is set in, uh, the fact that there's no mutants, how did you enjoy just the setup of this world and did you find it easy to follow? Um, well, I found that the movie itself, the, the tone that it had was very serious. There wasn't really a lot of lighthearted moments in the movie. It was very serious, very dramatic. Um, it was, like I said, a, a good movie that kept my attention, but I felt like there were some things missing. And just as you kind of mentioned with uh, some things that weren't explained, I think that's really kind of where I'm going when I say that some things are missing. I watched some things through the movie and my memory's horrible, so I definitely won't be able to name them all. But that's one thing, again, where I was watching that and I was like, oh, you know, they keep saying all these different things in the movie. Again, no spoilers, but there's not really any explanation. Now, maybe that opens something up for the future, who knows? But, you know, it was still a great movie, and I really enjoy um, Logan as a character. I learned some new things about him, too, watching the movie. Um, I, I've always really liked this character, um, all the way back from when I was first introduced to X-Men, back uh, when they had the 90s cartoon um, and you used to have the X-Men 90s theme as the ringtone on your phone, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I really have always loved the X-Men, and I had two favorite characters. Um, it was uh, Rogue and uh, then Wolverine. And um, I'm also a, few, a fan of Hugh Jackman uh, playing him um, just because I feel like he really actually looks like the way that Logan should look. He looks Despite the fact he's six feet tall and not like a five-foot shrimp, 
Yeah. Which is funny when this when Wolverine or not Wolverine when X Men One came out, people who did complain about it said he's too tall. And it's like, well, who cares that he's that tall? I mean, the guy is Wolverine. Like like you said, mm-hmm. he is this character as much as Christopher Reeve was Superman. I don't think there's ever been another actor who's associated so closely with a character and is accepted that much as this iconic character. Well, and and also the thing that's really interesting about Wolverine, if some people don't know, is I'm, I'm a fan uh, of the character as well, all the way uh, from back when I first uh, was introduced to it, just because he's also a Canadian character. So mm-hmm. he's from Canada. And you look at uh, Rogue and Wolverine, and you see these two characters that have so much depth in, in them. Um, you know, you have these people where it's really hard for them to get close to anybody for different reasons. And obviously, we're not talking about Rogue, and people understand why it's hard for her. But with Wolverine, you got to imagine this is a guy who his body heals so quickly, he essentially really never ages. And he always has people that uh, he loves around him, either getting older or, uh, you know, as he said in multiple movies, you know, bad thing, bad things happen to people that he loves around him. And so you just see this guy and, you know, you kind of feel bad for him that way. He really can't catch a break. And although this should be this wonderful power, because who would want a different power besides healing? You're mm-hmm. essentially invulnerable. But it really, in the end, it, it's kind of painful for him to live with. Yeah, I mean, that kind of sets the tone you said, that there's not a lot of lighthearted moments. Yet, the movie doesn't feel dark and depressing the way I think that even though The Wolverine felt at times, The Wolverine being a more flashy comic book movie, this doesn't drag you down, but it is heavy. I would just say it's serious. Yeah, and it's funny because we've always seen Wolverine as the conflicted character that, that doesn't remember things, and he's frustrated about that. In The Wolverine, he's the only one who can't get over the events that happened with Jean Grey. And here he's kind of... The guy, I mean, Professor X is the damaged one here that we get introduced to early in the movie. And he's, they, I don't know if they established, but he's suffering from Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, something where his mind's affected. And it's funny because you could go two ways of this and think, well, a guy with these incredible mind powers, would he just get weak the way that Logan is getting weak in this movie? We find out the, the Logan has weaknesses and sicknesses that are very subtly mentioned. I will just quickly go back. It's funny how you take certain positions on things and you don't like that certain things are set up in this but not explicitly explained. That's the thing that I love most in movies and we have so many Mm. disagreements where you're like, well, they didn't really explain this. And I'm like, it's subtle. You know, you you draw your own conclusion. I don't like when they just beat a dead horse and say, well, the mutants are all dead because of this. I mean, I like that some things are just left open because it's just this world where you can imagine it more. Yeah, we're a little bit different that way. And I I don't know if it's just because you're so much more of a movie buff or because you can just appreciate cinema that way. I don't know. But uh, even, you know, the differences there, uh, you know, a movie having a sad ending. I hate that. Mm -hmm. I hate that so much. And it doesn't even bother you. Yeah. Like, what what was that movie where... There was two people in love or whatever, and they just went their separate ways. Do you know? Um, I'm, I'm sure there's been many movies like that. But they didn't. Uh, they didn't fall in love. I'm, I'm. I'm struggling to think of what would give me. Give me. <laughs> this is your memory. Uh, it was. A mo- it was a movie about people who fell in love. It Did was, they ever make a movie about people who fell in love it was, before? It was a movie that you showed to me. I don't know. Anyways, to that, be continued. That, that might have to be edited out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't edit stuff out here. <laughs> um. I, I wanted to uh, quickly talk about the comic books because when this movie was announced, there was a lot of people speculating, especially since they showed Hugh Jackman aged, that they were going to do the Old Man Logan series, which 
Old Man Logan was something that started just as a miniseries written by Mark Miller, who's most famous for doing the Wanted comic book, uh, among other things. And it was kind of just a spinoff that took place in an alternate universe. And the idea was that mutants were gone like this. But basically the similarities between the Old Man Logan comic books, if people have read that, and this movie Logan, is that he is old in it. There are not a lot of mutants left. And he drives across the country. Um, And that's not a criticism. I mean, I kind of went into this thinking, well, there's no way they could do the Old Man Logan comic because that really involved all these different sections of the United States being dominated by different gangs. You know, you had the Magneto country. You had the the Hulk country, which is like descendants of the Hulk. And it had a story that I think fit this whole Western theme, which they kind of play on a little bit. But in the, the comics, Logan had a family that was killed. And that's, I think, the one thing that I think I was missing from this movie is being able to see, and maybe it's because we've seen it already in Wolverine or The Wolverine, and we saw it in X-Men Origins, that it was just played out. But I was kind of hoping for that idea that, you know, he would have had this this murdered family. But at the same time, I think the one thing they really did miss out on was the idea that in the comics, Old Man Logan refused to even use his powers. He refused to use his claws. He refused to kill anybody. In this, it's almost like killing is just something he does. And there is a very interesting line. I like the way they played on it, but I wish that we'd had at least a few moments where he hesitated. In exchange, we get the opening scene here where he's slaughtering a gang. <laughs> Brutally slaughtering. Like, let's just say right now, the violence in this movie is extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie starts off with... Uh, I, we were talking about this. I, I think the first word that's said in the movie is the F word. Yeah. like, And then there's plenty There's plenty of uh, profanity in the movie, but it's, it's funny. I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, especially when, when Professor X is doing it. Like, yeah. Wolverine uses the F word like it's a comma. Um, yeah. Professor X drops it sparingly and still somehow sounds distinguished doing it. <laughs> it's like somebody, you could picture him like having a cup of tea with his pinky up and he's like, F this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are moments like that in the movie. But um, I gotta say, I, the violence is extreme in this. Um, that is something that's different from the comics. But I guess you couldn't have done the comics thing completely and made an action movie when Wolverine doesn't use his powers. There is an interesting thing where he's talking to another character later on about killing people. He says, yeah, I kill a lot of people. You just have to learn to live with it. And I like that about the the character. But he's just sort of a character that doesn't care at this point. But for the first time, he's the one who kind of has everything together. And Professor X is this damaged guy where his mind's just out of control. And as I was saying earlier, I got sidetracked. The interesting thing about Professor X is that when his mind is lost, his powers just get out of control. So... They're basically trying to control him and sedate him at this point, but he doesn't even know who he is half the time, and he doesn't know who Logan is, and it's really kind of a sad story, and I think this is 100% a Logan movie, but it is Patrick Stewart that steals this movie. This is the greatest performance Patrick Stewart's ever given, and this is going to sound crazy to people out there. I'm not going to go so over the top and say this movie is a masterpiece that needs to be nominated for all these Oscars, but I will say if Patrick Stewart ever deserved an Oscar nomination, it is for this movie. He has some really touching scenes in this and he has some really disturbing scenes Mm -hmm. and it's it almost reminded me of like when Sylvester Sloan finally got that Oscar nomination for Creed uh, last year that's what this feels like to me somebody who's played a character a long time but never has really been given the opportunity to do something great with it he is that good in this movie and you had some different feelings on Professor X if you wanted to go into it you started to go into it and I cut you off the other day with another one of these don't talk about it till we're on the air well no I I thought that he gave a great performance I think that um, I think that he um, 
he came across as being very vulnerable. I think that when you watch him, um, you see him in a position in his life where you've never seen him before. This is this man who he's so old. He really essentially has no one except for Logan and this other mutant. Um, and nobody else is left. And even looking at him, you know, he had his school for gifted mutants, everything else, and he has nothing of that left. This mm-hmm. is an old man with nothing and who essentially really has not much to live for. Yeah. Um, d- that other mutant that they had, the tracker, I forget his name. Caliban. But- Caliban? Yeah. Is, is this a new mutant? I haven't it's, seen him before. Yeah, well, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing, but the way he's introduced in the movie is like you're supposed to know him. Uh, I'm just going to say this is like, I heard that Stephen Merchant was in this. Anybody who's ever watched Ricky Gervais's shows, the co-creator of The Office with Ricky Gervais, who also starred in extras with him, Life's Too Short and everything else, Stephen Merchant, he's playing this character Caliban, and he's unrecognizable unless you really know it's him. And it took me five minutes to realize, why does he look familiar? I'm like, oh yeah, Stephen Merchant was in this movie. He's probably the other really good performance. Like, there's, there's a couple of really good performances in this movie. Stephen Merchant's fantastic. The character Caliban, I was wondering if he was featured in anything else. We just saw X-Men Apocalypse this summer. Apparently Caliban's in X-Men Apocalypse. And he was probably included in there as a way to set this up. Maybe he was just somebody in the background eating cereal yeah, or something. <laughs> he was, I mean, apparently he was connected to when Psylocke was introduced. But I'll have to go back and rewatch it. It wasn't played by Stephen Merchant in there. But it was most, like these movies were connected. The, the post credit scene of Apocalypse sets up the plot of this movie. So there are small connections there. That's probably all it was meant for. But yeah, I mean, Caliban's the other character, and he can kind of track mutants. And there's an interesting story, which really sets up the villains, that there's this backstory that Caliban used to work for the villains. Now, to explain who the villains are in this, we have to first start by saying there really is no main villain in this. And that's something that's been done more uh, in, I think, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, like in Batman Begins. They decided for the first time in comic book movie history, they didn't want to have a main villain you kind of had a series of different villains, and everybody has their place. The one that has the most screen time in the movie um, is is one of the Reavers. Now, again, going into the comic books, anybody who knows the comic books, the Reavers are a group of kind of semi... They, they gave themselves like cyborg implants, like cybernetic implants. Um, and the, the main character in here, Pierce, is a character from the comic books... Uh, but he plays a different role in this. He's he's not really the guy calling the shots. He's more like the head henchman that you see more of than the main villain who does get introduced later on. Uh, aside from that, I mean, the idea is that these these Reavers are maybe hunting the last of the X-Men. This is where I like that it's subtle. They allude that they maybe are hunters of the X-Men and the mutants, but at the same time, they're doing genetic experiments, and that leads to the other main character of this movie, it's really, I think, a three-person road trip movie. Uh, Wolverine, or slash Logan, Professor X, and Laura, uh, who's a character from the comics named X-23 that uh, we won't give away too many spoilers, but, I mean, it's pretty clear from the trailers. She at least has the same powers as Logan. She has claws. So there's a definite connection there. And uh, she's basically a mute for most of the movie. Uh, the idea is that there's this caregiver who's her mother who's asking Logan to drive them to Canada, uh, which we'll have some funny stuff on that later on when we came to a realization of where they're going. But that's basically setting up the plot of the movie. And Logan's kind of taking care of Professor X with Caliban, and he's got this task to drive it. And in the end, it ends up being that he has to take this girl, Laura, who's a very vicious girl, uh, 
to North Dakota slash Canada himself. And it's kind of this chase with the Reavers chasing them. And in typical X-Men fashion, like the first X-Men movie, where Wolverine thinks that Magneto is after him. And there's that great line where Magneto's levitating him. And Wolverine's like, what do you want from me? He says, whoever said I wanted you. It's kind of the same thing here. Nobody really cares about Logan. They know who he is. He's not in hiding. Uh, He is in hiding, but he's not staying hidden. They want Laura, and they even want Professor X. So let's talk about Laura a little bit here. Um, She doesn't talk a lot in the movie, but my first impression of her was that she legitimately scared. This is like a 10-year-old girl, and she just has this look, and I don't know if it was just a natural look she has, and then you just warm up to her later on. But like Mm. every time she was on stage... Yeah, but she didn't have to do anything before she yeah. did anything. She's playing with a ball. She's sitting there eating cereal in the early scenes. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, I'm terrified of this kid. Like, this looks like, you know, Rosemary's baby or something. <laughs> it's kind of a, a terrifying character, but yet she finds a way to transition later on where you really do like her, and she kind of has more of an innocence about her. But what were your thoughts on Laura, who's really the main character here as far as the story is concerned? Well, and you're a movie buff, so maybe you know this, but is this the first thing that she's ever done? Um, as far as I know, uh, I can research it right now as you're well, talking. She, she is pretty young, so I'm going to assume so. But mm-hmm. again, for someone who can go through the majority of the movie without really speaking at all, but actually just making everything uh, uh, come across, you know, just with their physical expression, their mannerisms, things like that. Um, I thought that she w- was very um, impressive, especially considering her age. Mm-hmm. Um I think that there's a lot that is very interesting about this character, and it's hard to really talk uh, about those specifics without really giving any spoilers away, but I'm very excited for if they choose to continue on and do uh, a sequel to this movie to see kind of where she goes from here. Yeah, well, I think the thing that struck me the most was that, again, if you watched X-Men Apocalypse, which is not a great movie, but there are some great things about it, and Hugh Jackman doesn't have a major role in that, it's, it's one scene where you really get to see him in the beginnings of being Wolverine, where his memory has been wiped. And all you really see him as is a savage beast for one sequence. And it does set up a lot of the violence you see in this. And it really sets up the Laura character that somebody with these abilities early on is an animal. And there's a reason why he's called Wolverine. And, you know, Stryker mentioned that many times throughout the series. He is just a savage beast. And I remember that scene in Apocalypse where he, he he's kind of just sniffing everything and... You know, he's growling and it takes like Jean Grey, a young Jean Grey, calming him down like he is an animal. Mm -hmm. And that's the closest way I could describe Laura in this. She plays an animal for the first half of the movie. And then there are moments slowly where you see her do things like get introduced to an iPod and you know, uh, riding a a mechanical horsey and things like this. And uh, just watching a movie with Professor X, these little moments. Even just trying to learn how to eat. Yeah, exactly. She was just eating with her hands just right from the plate. Yeah, exactly. They're almost teaching her how to be a child. And and then, uh, you know, eventually she just becomes a regular character. And I stopped being terrified by the appearance of her later on, too. (laughs) So I'm going to give the actress Daphne Keens her name. She had done a, a role in a TV series prior to this, but that was the only acting she did. And she basically jumped right into Logan. And I know that you were kind of touching on the whole border thing, and there's not too many spoilers that I'll give away with that, but um, I actually, maybe I'm the only one, I don't know, but when I was watching this movie, with the whole thing that has just gone on, and thank God that it's ended with Donald Trump, um, 
I was watching this movie and I thought it was absolutely hilarious to watch all these border things and things yeah, like well, that. The <laughs> fact that, that Logan is crossing the border probably three or four times in the first 20 minutes of this movie between the United States and Mexico. And not only is there not a wall there, they just sort of let him pass like, hey, Logan, what's going on? He just drives past. Well, so. they, they didn't really explain why the mutants are gone. Maybe the mutants are gone because of Donald yeah, Trump. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're, we're creating uh, we're creating real news here as we go along. But, yeah, I don't know. But uh, we'll get into more of the Trump stuff later on, which is kind of funny. And uh, no, we're not getting political here. It's just there, there are some funny moments that I don't think they planned uh, when they made this movie. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, this this movie becomes Professor X, Wolverine or Logan and Laura driving across the country, which is where I said the comparison to the Old Man Logan comic ends, which that was. Logan and Hawkeye traveling across the country. This is different. They're basically trying to find a place uh, where uh, there's supposed to be safety for whatever mutants are left. And we'll kind of, you know, leave it at that because there's some good surprises along the way of what this place is. But another interesting thing I found is that for the first time ever, and there's only one other superhero movie that did this, and it was the first Captain America, uh, as well as the Avengers movie, they did it too, where... In this universe, comic books do exist. And I remember seeing that in the first Avenger, Captain America, and then as well, uh, the Avengers and the Winter Soldier, where they identified Captain America as having real comic books and re real movie serials, and that he was a propaganda figure. And in this movie, in Logan, we see X-Men comic books, like the traditional X-Men comic books, yellow spandex and all. And that is a big part of the movie. I mean, I'm not going to say it is a main part of the movie, but... That plays a part in the movie, and it's really cool how they introduce that in there. And they use, I, I actually wanted to research to see if it was a real storyline from the comic book, but they reference an issue of the comic book. And Logan's talking about, you know, this is if it's a real thing that you can imagine in this new world where in Days of Future Past, they were introduced to mutants and in an apocalypse. Mutants are known that there would have been comic books created, and it's just created around these real characters, but even Wolverine says, you know, only 25% of the stuff in these comic books was real and the rest of it's just all made up and elaborated on. Yeah. I just really like that the comic books work their way into Logan in a very prominent role. Well, it, it made it a little bit more believable, like this is actually the real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And the funny thing is, I think of all the X-Men movies, I mean, probably the most gritty and realistic one prior to this would have been X2. Not even that that was particularly gritty, but I mean, the early X-Men movies, X-Men 1 and X-Men 2, it really was about what would this be like in the real world. And I think it got more fantasy, like especially in Apocalypse, uh, maybe not uh, to a good level. Uh, there are some good things about Apocalypse. Maybe we'll defend that on uh, another future podcast. But yeah, this is a real world representation where you can imagine if mutants were real, this is the way the world would portray them, and they would kind of just be like, you know what, we're not all guys with superpowers. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of sequences along the way, which we're not going to go into too much detail with, but we do get to see more killing. Uh, there's a really great sequence where the movie finally calms down for a little bit, and this is kind of where we said Laura starts to pick up more human traits, and I like that. Uh, we get Eric LaSalle, formerly of ER. Ben and I were discussing him off-air the other day. Eric LaSalle is in this movie. He has a small role. And I really like that farmhouse stuff. And, uh, you know, at that point, we're introduced to another henchman, which I'm not going to give any spoilers away except to say, yes, you see Wolverine in this movie. Yes, you see Professor X. Yes, you see Caliban, who apparently appeared in another one. But there is another character, I'm not going to give it away, who probably becomes the main fighting adversary for Logan in this movie. And you will have to see the movie to get it. But it is another character 
that they bring back in a way that's connected to the other movies. And that was kind of the big surprise for me in this. I'm like, I can't believe they pulled that off. And you'll have to see the movie to get it. And right now we're just teasing you to go out and see it. But in the farmhouse scene, you're going to get the introduction to the main fighting villain. And it's just a fantastic surprise. And I think it's really effective how they pull it off. And I don't know if... um... I don't know if it's a spoiler to say this or not, but the character, because, because I mean, my memory is so bad, so I don't know if this guy has been in something else before, but um, one of the bad guys, you, you know, the one that I'm talking about who has the gold tooth? Mm-hmm. Okay, is that, I don't know if that's who you're alluding to. No, but, I'm not. I can't believe you're not picking up on this. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's hilarious. There's no spoilers with saying that, that there's this bad guy who has the gold tooth. And, you know, there's this parts in the movie where he smiles and he kind of smirks or whatever. And it's funny because whenever he did that, I always thought of that guy from Home Alone with the gold tooth. <laughs> Joe Pesci? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he smiles and he's like, ding! Yeah. Yeah, Joe Pesci would have made a great X-Men villain. Um, I just got to go back here. If you have seen Logan right now, please just write to us and tell us that you know who I'm talking about here because Jamie's not getting it. The main fighting villain, the main weapon of the Reavers, of this this corporation uh, that that's doing the testing, that, that, that uh, is chasing after Laura, they bring out this secret weapon, if you remember, who has a fight with Logan at the farmhouse... Later comes back. Okay, I know who you're talking about. He 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 he's he's a bit of a beast himself. Yes, he's got yes, some yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it, no, it's not beast if that's what you're wondering. But it's it's a great tease, and that was probably the big surprise of the movie. Um, other than that, I mean, we're not going to go too much into the third act, but let's just quickly talk about this trek they have across the country and when we realize where they're going because they mentioned North Dakota several times as the destination. Right. And. They mentioned several times about going across the border into Canada and that there's this safe place there and that's where they're trying to get. And it was only in the final act as they're finally on their way there or arriving where I turn to you and I'm like, wait a second, they're in North Dakota. They're crossing the border to Canada. They're coming to Winnipeg, which is where we're from if you don't know. Winnipeg, Manitoba. I mean, Winnipeg isn't right on the border, but Manitoba is. And to put this in date, this does, podcast. Does it branch out though to Saskatchewan, North Dakota? Dakota. Not that I no, I don't think so. Oh, that's um, interesting. I yeah. Don't know. So I mean, th- basically, this is where they're going. They're coming to Manitoba. That's what I'm gonna say here. And <laughs> I'm I'm saying to date this podcast. If we didn't date enough by saying Logan came out one week ago, uh, no spoilers. But right now we're at a point where there is a lot of fear, as we said about Trump crossing. Uh, we have people who are legitimately crossing the border. Like I think we just mentioned this on another podcast with Ben this past week. Uh, that 34 people in the last seven weeks have been caught uh, or even just are that are known to have crossed the border. These are just the ones that they know of, that they have found, that have crossed the border from North Dakota into Manitoba because of the whole fear of Trump deporting them and stuff like that, and this, this, this Trump fearing and all that. So when this happened, the first thing I did is I turned to Jamie and says, look, the mutants are afraid of Trump too. <laughs> it's one of these things that's like... When they made this movie, they had no idea this would have relevance. And maybe it only has relevance here in Manitoba because this is a news story every single day. Another person crossing the border. Another person almost froze to death crossing the border. But let's just say we, we could just claim this is an unintentional, hilarious moment that we get to end the movie on. And I just want to clarify because I just looked it up. 
that it actually does go to Saskatchewan too. So we don't know. It could be Saskatchewan, but why would they want to go there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Manitoba probably because we're a lot better and we're very friendly. Yeah. Well, let, let's also be honest. None of these people who are afraid of Trump right now are being picked up on the Saskatchewan border. It's all at Emerson in Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not really No, no here, nobody right? goes to Saskatchewan. Even the people that live there don't want to live yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes that only people in Manitoba are going to laugh at. Um, but, I mean, that basically sums up Logan here. So, now let's talk about any complaints we have, any beefs we have uh, that hasn't been touched on so far. Uh, Hugh Jackman's performance, I'm just going to say, this is the best performance Hugh Jackman has given as Logan outside of X-Men 2. And a lot of people are just going to be so crazy about this because it's such a complex character. X-Men 2, I preferred that one because I think he was still the amnesia Logan and he was new to the character. And it was something different. This is a different character he's playing, but I still prefer X-Men 2. Having said that, this is an outstanding performance that Hugh Jackman gives in this movie. And he really plays on the whole aging thing. And his sickness. And I love the subtlety that he does with this. And I love that he hasn't lost a lot of these Logan characteristics. And I love that the roles are reversed here too. So Hugh Jackman like gets an incredible glowing review for me for this movie. He does. Um... And like I started the uh, whole thing with here, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, but maybe you're going to laugh at me for this. But I was a little bit disappointed with the fact that they kind of... didn't have a shirt off? Well, no, he did have a shirt off sometimes, but... <laughs> but That he was they, gray under that shirt? No, they, they kind of uglied him up a little bit <laughs> with his face and stuff like that. When you could tell, obviously, like he, he was being poisoned, like he was being uh -huh. sick by something. So, I mean, he looked like he was he was you know kind of dying mm -hmm. um and when he did take his shirt off it wasn't like one of those hot shirtless scenes it was just like <laughs> oh this guy just took his shirt off whatever well i don't think he was going for the x-men 2 you know undershirt fight scene in the mansion look i don't think he was going for the uh days of future past nude butt shot from behind like he he wanted you to feel bad for okay, how okay. deteriorated he is and okay. scarred let's just say that too we get to see wolverine scarred, deteriorated yes. and scarred here but you know when when you're spoiled and you're used to certain things uh you know like seeing a hot shirtless scene <laughs> i was disappointed sometimes you know certain things will surprise you and to name two of those things that come to my mind for surprises is when i saw batman versus superman never been a fan of ben affleck Ugh. I saw him when he had his training montage and yeah. stuff like that. I was like, okay, I'm totally into this okay. now. Right. And then also Chris Pratt. He got into, like, phenomenal shape. Who can do that in that short period of time? Um, you know, Hugh Jackman, he has uh, obviously the physique. Uh, you know, you can just look up pictures and you see it. And I just was disappointed that I didn't really get to see that. All right, so... There's our female perspective on the disappointment of Hugh Jackman's performance, is that he didn't look <laughs> as good with his shirt off. Um, outside of that, I think we could both agree the performance is great. Uh, we talked about Patrick Stewart already. We don't have to cover him anymore. We talked about he Laura. He looked great with his shirt off, too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Patrick Stewart's got outstanding pecs, if okay. you haven't seen them. Okay, you know what I will say about him, though, is that guy actually, like, the chest hair that he has that comes through his shirt or whatever, <laughs> even though it's, like, all gray and stuff and he's old, it looks very nice. Okay, so that that guy's Patrick, a that guy's a hot old dude. Patrick Stewart can pull off gray and shirtless better than Hugh Jackman, apparently. <laughs> and this is coming from the girl who, when I switched to her profile on our desktop once, I saw Hugh Jackman on a beach, 
as her wallpaper. Looking at me with wanting eyes. Yeah, okay, well... <laughs> and, and Patrick Stewart looks better with his chest hair in this than Hugh Jackman. But, um... Outside of that, I mean, we don't really have a lot of other big performances. It's a small movie. Uh, the action scenes, let's talk about that quickly. They are brutal, but as I said earlier, they're not, like... It's not disgusting. Uh, no. They go for some gruesome shots. Yeah. Uh, it's not depressing. The thing that is interesting in here is the difference that, that this is where James Mangold did such a good job. Is that he really makes it different the way you're supposed to respond to Wolverine. And this is where I'll give a lot of credit to that opening scene. I didn't dislike the opening scene with him tearing apart this gang. Uh, I, I, I would have liked the slow introduction to the violence again with Wolverine to see that he was different. But... That opening scene, I mean, you are supposed to cheer for him doing these really brutal things to these guys. I mean, we're seeing claws go through skulls in this movie, like full-fledged claw through a skull. Yeah. But there's a big difference when you see Laura doing this. And yeah. and that's where I, I thought... It's Ooh, is that a spoiler? No, it's not a spoiler. I mean, it's in the trailers. <laughs> if it's a spoiler, don't watch the trailers, people. Um, but I like that those scenes felt more disturbing. And... If you're talking about the action scenes, you really have to look at them differently because the scenes with Laura are very, very intense. They're very disturbing to watch. And the scenes with Wolverine, it's not like you're sitting there and cheering like, yeah, you know, I want to see a claw go through an eye socket and let's see it go right through, impale a man's tongue next. Like, it's not that way of cheering, but it's like you get into the action. And with Laura, it's almost like I've seen enough. I can't look. Well, and since we're talking about her having powers, because I didn't know I was really allowed to talk about that. Well, I, I, I think it was implied when she was in the trailer having I them. don't remember the trailer, okay? <laughs> you barely remember the movie. Exactly. Okay, so anyways, one detail that I actually like about that is in the movie, they explain that she not only has claws on her hand, but she actually has, a, a, I think it's only one claw or whatever on her foot. Mm -hmm. And they actually specifically explain that that's because she's a female. Yeah. Yeah, um, they show a difference between a male and a female. Wolverine. With mutations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I thought, wow, that's actually really cool because, you know, um, you're watching and it is hard to watch in some scenes, you know, when she's using her uh, uh, foot and she, you know, is kicking some guy in the balls and she's stabbing him <laughs> with her, her foot. It's like, oh... You know, I, I mean, I can watch that. It's painful for me, but I couldn't imagine being a guy watching that. Ugh. Yeah. Um, you know, like if, if you even have something lightly hit you there, you cry like a baby for three days. <laughs> well, thanks for telling all the listeners that I take frequent crotch shots here. Hey, hey I have seven brothers. Uh, I I have I have tortured them too. Yeah. Okay. Um. Wow. It's funny because that that scene you mentioned. I don't remember it. I'm turning it to you. You probably I blocked it I out. I blocked it out, obviously. Uh, as far as the action scenes go, I don't know if you had a favorite. Hands down for me, the favorite is when they're in Las Vegas. And I mentioned there's you know a, a great scene where Professor X is watching the movie Shane, which there's some parallels to in this movie. Shane was a Western in the 50s about this hardened you know uh, gunslinger who kind of takes on a child uh, to care for them. And there's similarities with this and that. But later in that sequence... There's a great scene where it really is the only time where you see Professor X and Wolverine both involved in fighting. I don't want to give away the way it is, but mm -hmm. it reminded me in a way, uh, not that it had a lot of similarities, but how some movies, really good movies nowadays, are kind of with one type of action sequence where you've never seen something like this before. And I think about the Inception, you know, zero gravity or gravity shifting thing where Joseph Gordon-Levitt had the gunfight on the walls and stuff like that. 
And it's not as similar, but it's, it's that type of action scene where you're going to walk out and be like, I've never seen an action sequence played out like that before. And that was hands down the highlight of the movie for me. I think that my favorite is probably the forest chase scene. And that's, yeah, all, which, that, that's all that I'll say. Yeah. Because obviously it's, you know, the climax. But, um, you know, the one thing uh, when you were talking earlier about, you know, if, is there anything that you kind of were a little um, disappointed with? Um, the whole thing, uh, with, um, the, uh, chemicals company or whatever the name was, I can't mm. remember. Do you, anyways, uh, the, the people the that are, the Reavers are working for, yeah, the, the people that are actually doing the testing and stuff mm. like that. And that's all I'll say, I feel like, um, the company itself and also the doctor that represented it in the movie, I just wish that there was a little bit more, uh, background that they showed uh, with that, I wish that there was more time spent on that mm-hmm. because I found that very interesting. And for people that watch the movie, they'll understand why it's interesting when they see what they're doing, you know, with the testing. And that's all that I'll say. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's also say this is a long movie. This movie is two hours and 20 minutes almost. Yeah. And it definitely feels like a long movie. It's not that it drags at all. I think it's the perfect length for what it is. Yeah. But like a lot of these classic westerns uh, that this is emulating, it it has a lot of story to tell and it wants to take its time to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's paced very well, but had they taken the time to explain all these things that you wanted to have explained, I feel like then the movie drags. And I would prefer a movie where they don't go into detail and you almost have to figure out, you know, one of the smartest things I ever heard was uh, the way that George Lucas described making Star Wars. And he was explaining Akira Kurosawa, the Japanese director that he was really emulating. And it wasn't that Kurosawa didn't stop to explain his world of samurais and you know ancient Japanese customs to the audience. It's the fact that he made these movies for a Japanese audience. And for them, they're not going to need the explanation. But for George Lucas, a college student, watching... Kurosawa's movies, watching Throne of Blood, watching you know the Seven Samurai and uh, Yojimbo and all these things, that he didn't understand this world. And that if he was Japanese, he might have, but he really liked that feeling of watching a movie and being in a world that he didn't know everything about. And that's the way he developed Star Wars. And I saw the same thing in this. I think that's probably what James Mangold was going for. He wanted this world that was different. It doesn't feel like an X-Movie at all. It doesn't feel like a Wolverine movie. It just feels like its own story that has these characters later on. And you don't need everything explained in the world. And maybe that's just me liking subtlety. And maybe maybe that is. Um, I think as well, I think it would have been too hard to do it really in one movie too long. And also, I think that, like you said, it probably would have made a drag even if you cut it into different parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something like that would probably be really interesting if there was ever an X-Men TV series which, uh, like a live action one, mm-hmm. that would be very exciting if they did something like that. I One of my favorite things well, is watching anything where people have powers. Well, let, let's just say, I mean, at the time this is airing, you know, we had the episode on, but because it was a free trial for one episode, um, we didn't see the rest of the series. The TV show Legion has just debuted, and this TV show is about a character that is Professor X's son, named Legion, from the comic books. And we didn't get to see the first episode, or we chose not to watch it because we weren't going to be able to watch the rest of the season just yet. But who knows? They've said that this is taking place in the same universe as the X-Men movies. And it's gotten great reviews so far. The ratings are decent. Who knows? Maybe Patrick Stewart shows up on that. And we get the first 
true X-Men series, and they get to build on this. And it is much darker like Logan, too. As long as it doesn't have Halle Berry, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's got some, some gray chest hairs you coming know, out when Patrick Stewart You know what? Right. I know it's kind of a sidetrack, and forgive me, I am a woman, so, you know, there's always a thousand things going on in my head. But honestly, I am ticked off with the whole Storm character. They have never really gotten that right. No. And, you know, growing up, watching the 90s cartoon, there's this really strong proud black woman and she's just she's amazing and confident and you know what it reminds me of is like the wonder woman character Mm -hmm. and how they have her set up with her whole atmosphere her attitude but she's more powerful than any of the guys exactly like she's the leader it's and you know what honestly i just watching the x-men movies the live action ones i never believed it and it's unfortunate because she was also one of my favorites well that's the thing is that the 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 logan series is it over is it not over i mean let's be honest even if this story ends and i'm not saying it does but even because as you said, there is an opening for a sequel here. But yeah. even if this story ends Hugh Jackman's involvement, if this is his last time doing it, it's at the end of a timeline that's supposed to be the end of Mutants. And we've seen the beginning of it. I mean, they basically went from X-Men 1, 2, and 3 taking place in pretty much modern age to going back to the 60s and then the 70s. And then, you know, Origins did the early 80s. And The Wolverine did a few years later. And Days of Future Past did 2020s. And this is doing an alternate version. I mean... There's so many different timelines. You could throw the character in there anywhere, and you could eventually do a Storm movie. I think that where this movie finally gives hope, they always intended. The reason X-Men Origins was called X-Men Origins Wolverine instead of just Wolverine was because their intention was that this was going to start a series of origin stories for all the characters. Deadpool was put in there because they intended for there to be X-Men Origins Deadpool following that. And Wolverine just wasn't received well enough, and nobody cared. But the original idea was that they would have a Storm, X-Men Origins Storm movie. They would have an X-Men Origins Nightcrawler. I mean, those are two of the ones they talked about. And he's a really awesome character. Yeah. He's one of my favorites, too. Where this finally got it right is they said, we don't have to follow the timeline of the movies. We can put these characters anywhere. I mean, most of these mutants live forever anyways in the comic books. And you have such a large roster of characters you can introduce if you want to you know they only really use professor x and caliban in this one but you know you could do a storm movie and include bishop who we saw in days of future past uh there are ways to do any of these characters right now because that's the thing that i think logan got right more than anything else is they told a standalone story that said we don't have to be connected to the movies we reference the movies a little bit but it's its own story and we can make it its own genre it doesn't even have to conform to any genre just really quickly before we go uh, pick three characters that you want to get a Logan-like treatment from the X-Men series. Hmm. Honestly, as I mentioned earlier um, in the recording here, I love Rogue. I have always loved her. I think she's so underrated. Is that a word? Yes, it's a um, word. You, see, you've also forgotten the English language since we started I, Well, I know people say overrated, but she she's so... <laughs> you know, brushed to the side all the time and she has this great story. She wasn't in the first one. They really did a, did her justice but, in the but first But even one. then, she didn't really shine that much. She totally shined. I walked no. out of that movie not care. I didn't care about Rogue before that. I walked I'm, out of the movie I'm and talking, Rogue was I'm talking about her having the same attention that Wolverine has. Yeah, I think she did in the first one. But anyways, I get your point because the other one so jumped on her. So there is that. I would love for there to be a Rogue movie. 
Um, I think there's an interesting story there. I think that there is um, some opportunity for uh, them to do uh, things with others as well. Um, you know, it's hard to say if uh, certain mutants could necessarily have their own movie, but if they could have something where they're showcased more, like, uh, what is the girl's name? Shadow? Shadow Cat? Yeah, Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. yeah. I, I love her. Um, and also, you know, I love Jewel, and I, I felt like... Jubilee? Jubilee, yeah. <laughs> you forgot her name, too. See, by the end of this, you'll forget who I am. <laughs> where, where am I? <laughs> no, um, I, I love Jubilee in the... Um, You're the, the only person who ever said, I love Jubilee. In, in the 90s cartoon, I, I loved her, and... You're the only person who ever said, in the 90s cartoon, I love Jubilee. <laughs> um, but honestly, I, I felt like, again, in the movies, there wasn't really much done with her. Um, I, I think that Kitty Pride would definitely be one. Um, and again, Storm would probably be another one as well. If they, if they had another, um, uh, um, movie done with, you know, focusing just on, let's say Mystique and Nightcrawler, um, those two, that would be amazing because they have a great history. Yeah. And that's something we haven't gotten into that much, uh, in the movies. Well, we and there's a, a lot of connection with Rogue even yeah. with those two. Yeah. But I mean, again, that's where you could involve a character. Cause I think where I'm saying, get the Logan treatment be able to give it its own genre so it has its own feel. It doesn't have to feel like an X-Men movie the way they tried maybe too hard with The Wolverine and X-Men Origins, uh, but also involve maybe one other character, you know, the way that The Wolverine had Jean Grey in there and this had Professor X, but it's still a Logan movie. Uh, for me, I mean, I mentioned Bishop earlier. Bishop, if people aren't familiar, Bishop was in Days of Future Past. Uh, he'd be a great character. It involves time travel. Was that the guy with the mullet? Uh, I mean, the comics, he had kind of a curly mullet, but oh, okay. the, the guy with a gun <laughs> yeah, fur and He had a crullet. Yeah, crullet, yeah. <laughs> a crullet. Uh, but big gun for his arm. Uh, great stories with Bishop that you could tell. Um, I don't think you could do a great story with Colossus, but I just want to see Colossus in his own movie. I mean, we saw him in Deadpool. We saw him in the other X-Men movies, but Colossus is somebody whose power would just be great in its own movie, but he'd be that's, more of a supporting character. That's a good character. one. I forgot about him. That yeah. would be a really good one. Yeah, yeah that would be more he, of a supporting character. Because he has a good character. background, too, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think the other one you said would be Nightcrawler. I mean, Nightcrawler, we had through Apocalypse, we have a brief glimpse into him as a teenager. Yeah. In X-Men 2, the only one that he was featured in of the original trilogy... We get him as an adult, but he talks about this period in his life, you know, working for the circus and this very dark period, and we never really got that. And I think that yeah. a Nightcrawler movie could potentially work. But those will be movies for the future because we don't know if Logan's going to do another one, but Fox is definitely ramping up now that they have Deadpool, uh, now that Logan's a huge hit where they realize we can make just as much money with these movies as we're making with the X-Men series. So finally, before we go, uh, we're going to rate this thing. So our three options are on the shelf, which essentially is, would you buy this movie? Would you pay $25, $30 to buy this and own it? We have rent it, which is, would you rent this movie? Is it worth paying for, uh, you know, maybe just to watch one time whenever you feel like when the mood strikes you? Or is this in the bin? Is this just garbage? Do you not really care about this movie? Have you had enough through one viewing? Can I have a different option where I say that it is a Boxing Day movie? Well, <laughs> wait let's first say, well, i want people... to buy it but yeah. i i want to buy it probably at half price okay so you you're a marginal on the shelf we're gonna choose the boxing category hey which... i'm i'm a petty pitcher i i shop at thrift <laughs> stores <laughs> i hardly will ever pay you're anything. a mom that's yeah. what you are you're a new mom um yeah. 
But, yeah, if people don't know what Boxing Day is, because I don't know if it's a big deal everywhere else, it's the day after Christmas, Christmas, which here in Canada is the number one shopping day of the year, where everything's like half price. It's just insane. It's the way that Black Friday is in America. Although now we are getting Black Friday to try to keep people yeah, from going so across the border. This is a Black Friday slash Boxing Day. Which I don't know show. why we people would actually go past the border anyways, because our dollar is doing so terrible. But and if we cross the border there, we may be trapped by a wall by the time we have a chance to get back. But yeah. that's another story. Yeah. But for me, this is instantly on the shelf. And I'm just going to start this by saying, we've mentioned before that on the shelf, even for something you don't like, it's still going to, like, we will still buy movies. I own X-Men Origins Wolverine. I've watched it three times. I didn't enjoy it any of the times. But it's we, still something we own it? Uh, yeah, I own it. I, I mean, you've never watched it. You probably don't know where it is. Um, I would own, though, Wolverine, again, if it was a Boxing Day deal. Uh, but those aren't movies that I would necessarily give an on-the-shelf review to. This is definitely on the shelf. This is a high recommendation. It's not just good because the other X-Men movies weren't that, or the other Wolverine movies weren't that great. This is a great movie, and it's something you need to watch. And don't take it too seriously. It's not trying to be unforgiven, as I heard yeah. another podcast complaining about. Well, and you see these characters in different uh, in, in a different light than you've ever seen them before. Yeah. Exactly. Not it's, just one, but like well, all Well, like of I them. said, it's a new genre. It's a new way of portraying it. It's something you could do with so many of the movies going forward. Yeah. So I love this movie. I would watch it again. Uh, is it as good as X-Men 2 or Days of Future Past or maybe even First Class or the first X-Men? Nah. Uh, probably not as entertaining. Is it a better movie? Is it a better script? Do we get better performances? Yeah, I think all around we do. Yeah, but I, I like fun movies, though, where sometimes they can even be a little bit comical. Like, and, I, I'm uh, this is coming from the girl who likes Batman and Robin, for goodness yeah. sake. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, your review just lost all credibility to the audience. <laughs> when that's your favorite Batman movie. But you said earlier that there's not a lot of, like, jovial moments in this. No, not at all. People don't need to get the wrong idea. This is not a depressing movie. No, it's just it's, serious. It's like Batman Begins. You know, that's the closest thing I can compare it to. It's... It's a light-hearted, dark movie without a lot of humor. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's still light in a way that it's watchable. So you, ha you have these people that don't really have any reason to live, and then the main character gets redeemed because he finally has a reason, yeah. and that's shown. Yeah. That's it for Logan. And thank you for joining us, Jamie, your first appearance on the Oz Network. Um, as you've sat in the background and listened to me have one-sided conversations or sneeze or sneeze in the back you you're famous for sneezing in the background on many of our shows but thank you for joining us on here and being able to talk about logan no problem thanks for having me good to good to be with you guys good to be with you guys you live with me the most bizarre... well not, not you i'm just used to i'm i'm used to you i'm, talking, I'm talking about everybody the, else that's listening good to be the special guest for our network <laughs> and not good to see you there it's all about me yeah this is all about you um Continue to subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, we're on iTunes now, and rate us while you're there. Review us. Uh, like our page on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, and we'll have new content all the time. And I am Colin, and my chest hairs are not yet gray. I'm sorry to say, Jamie. And I am Jamie, and I have no chest hair. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.